0: Hello, I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Dock Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Joining us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer our medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works as a hospitalist with the Brookings Health System and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here this yes. morning. This beautiful morning after a little rain. That exactly. helps everything, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we love your essay this week that you wrote <laughs> for the newspapers, and you talk about the Hollywood doctor. Or yes. This, all the doctors we get to see on television. Mm-hmm. Their
1: lives are very different from mine. Yes. <laughs> a lot more glamorous, a uh, lot more excitement, a lot more life and death drama, um, but I think it was This is why I love the summer essays, because I have a chance to talk about something we would never do a TV show on. Right, sure. TV doctors. Although I did have a conference where I attended where one of the speakers was the medical advisor for Grey's Anatomy and Station 19. Oh. And she talked about how she got into medical writing and how they actually do have, you know, doctors and nurses on set trying to make it as authentic as possible. And then the director say, No. (laughs) <laughs> sure, sure. So, you know, sometimes in order to uh, um, bump up the drama or make it more interesting, um, you know, things kind of get changed sure. <laughs> for TV. So, but they do actually, I, I thought that was very interesting to learn. They have actual uh, physicians on staff for their TV shows yeah. to try to make them accurate, although.
0: There's a lot of things they get wrong. Right, right. But yes, some of them, you know, dive into some mm-hmm. complicated, rare diseases you yes. might learn about. Yeah. I
1: did learn that they have a staff of people whose job is to comb through the medical literature looking for those really odd cases Okay, that would make interesting TV. So It's you know, a
0: whole different way to read a medical journal. It is.
1: <laughs> Look looking for the
0: the bizarre and strange and Um, TV-worthy. Right, right. Fascinating. You also write about in your essay how when we're watching a television show that features a doctor or a medical show on television, They rarely spend much time on their charting or the paperwork.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, because it's not interesting to watch someone sitting at a computer dictating or typing. And, you know, there actually was a study done out of University of Wisconsin. Actually, one of my residency mates was the lead researcher on this. And it looked at family doctors and how much time they spent charting. For every one hour of FaceTime with patients, they spent two hours working on the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go back years ago, and this, this is a new thing basically due to federal regulations, insurance companies trying to get reimbursement. Um, the coders will look at your note and say, did you have 10 review of systems? If you only had nine, we're not going to pay. So you have to make sure you have all of these points in in order to get credit. and to be able to bill appropriately for the work you did. If you didn't say it, it didn't happen, you can't get reimbursed for the work you did. So back in the old days, I've gone through medical (laughs) records and pulled out a paper chart of a patient, and there was one from the 50s. It was literally a recipe card, and it had the patient's name. It had the date. It said strep throat, amoxicillin, and that was it. Sure. (laughs) Which if covers I, a
0: lot, actually. Which,
1: which cover, <laughs> it covers all the important parts. However, if you had a note from today for someone with strep throat and you printed it off, I guarantee you
0: it will be six pages long. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so what is the inf- what are some of those things that you are having to... Click through and, yep. d- and make notes so of.
1: all the things that the nurses are asking you, mm-hmm. we have to do a depression screen. We have to make sure we have your past medical history, your past surgical history, your family history, your smoking status. Mm-hmm. All of these things. We have to have a BMI, so we need to get height and weight. And there's a lot of things that we have to get on that chart. And a lot of these things get carried forward. And this is where it's important for you to look at your portal and your chart to see if something got entered in error it's going to get copy and pasted forward. So if one time you mentioned in passing, yes, I, you know, when I jump on the trampoline, I might have little bladder leakage. All mm. of a sudden, you've got a diagnosis of stress or urinary incontinence, and you're like, it happened once, uh, yes. and now it's going to be replicated. So sometimes something that you may think was, you know, it's not an issue. I don't want it treated. I don't want to have like, for a therapy. This is no big deal. A doctor may have heard that and said, oh, in their review of systems, there's, urinary incontinence and that may be there and that can get pulled forward or you may say something and you were wrong you found out later oh grandpa didn't die of a heart attack Mm -hmm. he died from a stroke and now again that wrong information the information in the charts only as good as what is put in Mm -hmm. so very good to review your portal and if there's something wrong like um you know they say your grandfather died of a heart attack he died of a stroke Fix it. We can fix it. But a lot of times this information gets carried forward perpetually. Mm -hmm. So if it's wrong once, it's going to be wrong forever. Yeah. Because we don't have the time to put all of that information in every single time. So we just carry forward because we're required to have that information in the chart. So if you see an error, fix it because it's very easy to accidentally click the wrong box. They'll have... uh, all these boxes with options and you know you may think you're clicking on mother when you're actually the computer clicks on the one right below it and that's all of a sudden maternal
0: aunt hmm mm-hmm. so yeah so a lot of beneficial information in those charts they yes. are helpful They'll yes pull up but the, that's a time-consuming thing for our, yep. for our staff
1: and you have to know where to find it and again it's only as good as what gets put in right so you know please help us make sure that it's as accurate as possible because if you come in you know unconscious from a car accident and i'm able to pull up your chart because we found your name in your wallet i want that information to be as accurate as possible so i know what your allergies are Mm -hmm. i know what medications you're taking i know what things i need to watch out for oh you're unconscious oh you're diabetic oh we better check a blood sugar Mm -hmm. so you know, making sure that that information is as up to date and accurate as possible is very beneficial to you.
0: Mm-hmm. So, going back to these TV doctors and yes. movie doctors, do you do you have a favorite doctor, Cruz? Ooh,
1: do I have a favorite? Actually, JD from Scrubs.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He is my
1: favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in residency, I did a remote rotation in Chinle, arizona and there was no tv reception <laughs> that's how remote we
0: were okay so we had a
1: dvd player and we got the first four seasons of scrubs on dvd and that's what we would sit around and those other uh, med students and residents and i would sit and watch scrubs and that one actually is out of the medical shows it is probably the most accurate second is probably doc mcstuffins <laughs> <laughs>
0: Another popular doctor. Another popular out there. doctor.
1: I love Doc McStuff. Yeah. She is such a great example for uh, young girls out there that want to be doctors. So. Right, right.
0: That's <laughs> fun. I have heard that Scrubs is perhaps one of the more accurate. It is. It really is. Yeah. Uh,
1: because there actually is a Dr. JD um, that is based on, and
0: he was their medical director and advisor uh, okay. for that show. All right. Gotcha. Very good. Uh, in your essay, you also mention, you know, for the most part, when we're when you're helping a phys- uh, patient out, mm-hmm. it's not a quick, you know, five-minute, 30-minute, one-hour thing that can be wrapped mm-hmm. up like in a television show, but it's a relationship that you build trust slowly.
1: Yes. And I wish that every patient had a happy ending, and I wish that there was always a clear answer and a, oh this moment where the skies part and the answer comes and everyone lives happily ever after unfortunately that's not always the case there's a lot of times where people are misdiagnosed my own mother was misdiagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis for five years when it was actually lupus Mm -hmm. so you know doctors are human we're fallible we're dealing with the best information we have at the time. We're dealing with limitations of testing. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with, you know, sometimes what the patient tells me. Sometimes it is literally one word or one phrase that all of a sudden clicks and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I have been going the complete wrong direction here. And when you say this, oh, it all of a sudden opens up in a entirely new differential. So, you know, that relationship and hearing more of the story, really listening. Um, there's a wonderful medical quote from, I believe it's uh, Dr. William Osler said, if you listen to the patient, they'll tell you what's wrong. Mm. So you need that relationship to listen to find out what's wrong. And, you know, do we always find it? Unfortunately, no.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish I was as good as the TV divers. Right? they seem to have pretty good <laughs> they have it good. under control yeah yes that's good well it's time for us to go to our first break we thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group
2: The grass is growing, and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower, and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697 9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. Thirty. Here in the summer months, we get to revisit some of our shows from earlier in the year. Dr. Cruz, this week on our Prairie doc television program, we'll be revisiting your show on sleep apnea. Tell us more about that. Yes, actually, it was one of my favorite shows. Two
1: great guests on that that are very good friends of mine, Dr. Uh, Mike Pietula from Yankton and uh, Dr. Jeffrey Boyle from Avera um i know them both really well we had a lot of really good questions coming in sleep apnea is such a common thing and um there's lots of different treatments for it and people really need to know how much your sleep affects your health Mm -hmm. i mean it's very hard to have um, a good waking life if you don't have a good sleeping life so if you're not getting well rested um, it's very hard to stay healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things I really appreciate about this show were some of the demonstrations with the Rollins, the pre-recorded yes. segments. So there was a great demonstration of the machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't have a machine, but you hear about them because they are, it seems very common. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are using these machines, but you haven't seen one yourself. Uh, you get a great illustration of seeing how they work and different yes. um the masks, mask yes, because most
1: people think sleep apnea, they think fighter jet masks like Maverick and Top Gun. Mm-hmm. That is not the only mask we have for sleep apnea. When it first came out, yes, that was, you know, 20 years ago, that was pretty much your option. Sure. But there's a lot of different options for that. And then for people that can't tolerate, mm-hmm. there are uh, certain procedures. Um, if you have mild sleep apnea, there's kind of a, a jaw device uh, that your uh, dentist or um, can uh, create for you that kind of pulls the jaw forward that pulls the tongue forward Mm -hmm. that works for very mild sleep apnea bad sleep apnea not so much Mm -hmm. and then there's also what's called the inspire device which is done by ear nose and throat again it's it's an implanted device that kind of helps make that palate rise up so it doesn't collapse down and cause the blockage with sleep apnea so you know the gold standard is still the CPAP machine Mm -hmm. but if those aren't an option a lot of people can't tolerate them there are other options for treatment
0: so remind us, what we're trying to accomplish with these machines is to keep the airway open. Keep the airway
1: open. Keep okay. your breathing.
0: Okay. Yep. And getting that oxygen flow. Mm-hmm. Because if we're not getting the proper yes. air, we're not getting the oxygen we need.
1: Exactly. Imagine, um, you know, some people, they'll t- take a um, what's called an apnea hypopnea index. So how many times per minute do you stop breathing? And some people, I've seen it as bad as 50. Mm -hmm. Think about it. How many seconds are in a minute? Yeah, 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 60. If you're stopping breathing 50 times, that means you're really not getting any air. Sure. Mm -hmm. So imagine holding your breath for, you know, 50 seconds every minute and getting anything done. Right, right. Yes.
0: One of the other things they do really well on the show is also explain what happens in a sleep study and how those work and so i think that's Mm -hmm. really helpful information too if you're someone who's thinking i might need to do this Mm -hmm. or i want to learn more about it uh, you can kind of see that all in there and a lot of people think well i don't want to go
1: to a sleep lab that's going to be weird i'm going to be hooked up to all these wires how am i going to sleep Speaking from personal experience, I have had two sleep studies. Okay, I had some of the best sleep of my life in oh, the sleep lab. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very crazy. And um, also having that, um, you know, at the end of the next morning, they came in and the tech said, "How long do you think it took you to fall asleep?" And I looked her dead in the eye. I said, this is where I tell you it took me an hour, and you tell me five minutes. And she's like, yeah, close to the four. Oh, wow. (laughs) So sleep misperception is a huge thing because your body will fall asleep, and then you can wake up. Time perception is really weird when you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that say, I was up all night. If we hooked you up to sleep, you might actually not, but you may be waking up frequently, and that's why you're not feeling rested. Yeah.
0: Tell us more about the different cycles of sleep or the mm-hmm. different kind of stages of sleep and how how that works.
1: Yep. So there are four different stages uh, from very light stage um, one sleep down to REM sleep, dream sleep. And you kind of cycle between these different stages. And if you're not getting okay. deep, you know, it takes time to pass from each stage about 20 minutes or so. So if you're waking up with that sleep apnea and you're just stuck in stage one, that superficial light sleep, you're not getting good restorative sleep. You're not getting dreams. You're not, um, and we still don't know why people need to dream, but we know we need to dream that okay. dreaming is important. Uh, and that's one of the things people say once they start getting treated for sleep apnea, Oh my gosh, I started dreaming again. I've never had dreams <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're not getting to that deep restful um, you know stage three and, and four is where REM happens so if you're not getting to those deeper layers of sleep you're uh, definitely not getting the benefits from sleep that you need hmm
0: so if we're thinking gosh I don't know if I'm sleeping well or not what mm-hmm. where do we start
1: I would say talk with your doctor and then we can do, there's some questionnaires we can do to see if you would qualify for a sleep study. Uh, Basically, is it impacting your life? Are you not having um, good restful sleep? Are you waking up with a headache in the morning? Are you tired? Are you falling asleep with activities? Um, so we can do some of that to screen to see if you would qualify for a sleep study. If it's mild, a lot of times we can even do these sleep studies at home, in your mm. own home with kind of some take-home equipment that you use where we just kind of hook up two straps to your chest and a little prongs under your nose and a little probe on your finger. And that will get us 90% of the information you would get in an actual sleep lab minus the little probes on the head that get your brain waves.
0: Gotcha. So there's options to do from home, too, if Mm -hmm. you're not comfortable going in. Exactly. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 Before the break, we are talking about sleep apnea and uh, sleep studies and some of the tools that are available to help us get a good night's sleep. Dr. Cruz, we have a question. For individuals Mm -hmm. having trouble falling asleep, is it okay to use melatonin? And is melatonin something that should be used regularly or only as needed?
1: Um, I generally use it only as needed. Melatonin is really good when you're um, adjusting like jet lag sort of things. Melatonin is a hormone that's released in the brain that tells the body it's time to go to sleep. So it kind of peaks in the early evening and it um, is lowest in first thing in the morning. Um, So it's something your body naturally makes. Okay. And it is one of those things that it is dose dependent. So some people think, oh... Three milligrams of melatonin is good. Five must be better. Ten must be great. Unfortunately, it does not work like that. Actually, the higher you do, the worse it works. Oh, really? So, yes. Okay. So, um, the way it works is, these melatonin uh, goes and sits on receptors in the brain. If you have more melatonin than receptors, all of a sudden, this melatonin's just hanging around and causing problems. So that will you know, make you feel groggy the next morning, make you feel worse, not give you good sleep. So actually I tell people, you know, two and a half, three milligrams is about as much melatonin as you want. And there is kind of a common misperception. People say, I took melatonin and it did nothing. It's not gonna force you to fall asleep. Yeah, I think a lot of people think you know, sleeping pills should be like anesthesia where you take it and then all of a sudden you're knocked out. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, the melatonin is what signals the body that it's time to go to sleep and time to rest, time to wind down. So it doesn't force you to fall asleep. It helps create conditions conducive to sleep. Now, if you're doing what we call sle- poor sleep hygiene, you're going to undo everything that the melatonin's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at your phone, and that's something I'm terribly guilty of myself, You know, don't look at your phone an hour before going to bed because that blue light, Um, definitely again triggers the brain to think hey it's still daytime it's not nighttime it's not time to go to sleep you know so doing all of these activities caffeine before bed Mm -hmm. so if you talk to any sleep specialist the first thing that they will hammer home is you need to have a good sleeping environment Mm -hmm. you need to have good sleep hygiene so Limiting the electronics before bed, limiting caffeine in the evenings, you know, not doing a great ex, uh, workout right before bed, I mean, you know, you're getting all those endorphins and, mm-hmm. and adrenaline pump. You don't want to do that. You want to, you know, kind of calm down, settle down. Um, and then if you're tossing and turning in the bed, the worst thing you can do is toss and turn in bed. If you're there and not sleeping and it's not working, get up and get out of bed. Do something somewhere else. You want your brain to associate bed as the place that you sleep. Mm-hmm. So if you're just laying there tossing and turning, it kind of turns into the self-fulfilling prophecy. Of, yep, this is the place I toss and turn and I don't get any sleep. So if it's not working, get up, go, you know, drink a warm glass of milk. There actually is some medical <laughs> research that that does help a oh, little. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and then if those things, if you're not doing the sleep hygiene, that does fix it a good portion of the time, um, then talk with your doctor. I'm not a big fan of Ambien or any of the benzodiazepines because they can become very addictive and they do have lots of side effects Mm -hmm. and you can become dependent on them very easily. Ask any doctor. They will have tons of stories of patients doing weird things on Ambien. Mm-hmm. Um, sleep eating, sleep walking, sleep Amazon shopping. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which maybe on Prime sounds, won't be so bad. But, dangerous. But, yes, I, I have had people that say, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden mm-hmm. all these boxes showed up on my, you know, porch that I did not order. And they looked in there, yep, sure enough, ordered it at 3 in the morning after they took some Ambien. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, these medications are not without... Um, concerns Mm -hmm. so they shouldn't be a first resort they should be a last resort so the biggest thing is you know work on what is keeping you up is it stress is it you know are you anxious about something is stuff just a lot of people say i just can't get this stuff out of my head write it down Mm -hmm. write it down so your brain can let it go because when you're ruminating on something it's your brain trying to put it on permanent memory so you don't forget it Mm -hmm. if you write it down brain's like you know what I don't have to remember this anymore. Sure. It, it's it's taken care of. So, you know that would be a good way to if you can't sleep, just journal. Right. Write, mm-hmm. write about what's keeping you up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, meditate, prayer. I mean, all of those things are good ways to help wind you down and get ready, rather than you know trying to expect a pill to do all of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's get to the root of it, not just put a bandaid on the situation.
0: Amazing how little effort might, and you a just little. maybe don't even think about it, right? But like, mm-hmm. yeah, what, what are my sleep habits mm-hmm. and are they helping me be successful or not?
1: Right. Like, we, we talk about this with babies. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have a routine. You mm-hmm. have to put them in bed at the same time. You have to get them up at the same time. Why does that work for my uh, toddlers and not for me? It, right. it, I'm We're all still just giant toddlers <laughs> running around when it comes to sleep. We get cranky when we're not tired. We need good sleep hygiene, and we need a routine. Yep. Very good. Well,
0: it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc Physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. If we have a few minutes left, if you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, I wanted to ask you, I think it was last week we were seeing in the news that uh, a new Alzheimer's medication has had approval, approval F- yes. FDA approval, I believe. Um, tell us more about that and, and what that means.
1: Yep. So this is the first new medication for Alzheimer's in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is a little bit different than the other ones. It is an IV injection. So it needs to be given you know, in the clinic or an infusion center. It's every two weeks, which <clears throat> is not the most convenient thing. Sure. Obviously new, so insurance approval will be might be a a big hurdle as well with things. But what it does is it focuses on the amyloid plaques, which is what we believe is the cause of Alzheimer's dementia. So this is just for Alzheimer's. It's not for, you know, multi-infarct dementia, Lewy body dementia, um, you know, dementia related with Parkinson's, just Alzheimer's dementia. But that is by and far the most common type of dementia. And again, like the other dementia medications, it doesn't reverse Damage that's already there. It just slows the formation of new plaque. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, so you won't get back what you've already lost, Mm -hmm. but it will slow the progression, which the current medications out now also just slow progression. So um, they did do a test against uh, placebo, Mm -hmm. and after 18 months, there was a 27% slower rate of decline. with the new medication compared. So is it life-changing if it keeps you out of the nursing home for an extra year or two? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is there's no way of knowing, you know, what is your rate of decline going to be with Alzheimer's? Mm -hmm. It's, It's a hard thing. And you do need the earlier you um, get it treated the better and it does need to be in that early stages it's for early dementia not severe so by the time they're already in a nursing home this medication is not going to be helpful because mm-hmm. they've already had a significant decline and you know slowing the decline
0: further is not going to really change
1: mm-hmm.
0: you said it's an injection it's an every, IV, every IV? two weeks every yeah. two weeks so that's kind of yeah. a commitment too that is a commitment right yes yeah but yeah so, but it is
1: something new we're we're
0: targeting it on a different level, so right. hopefully, yeah. this leads to further breakthroughs, yeah, right. yes. it is a it is a disease that. It's, heart, it's a heartbreaking.
2: Oh, it's a day. heartbreaking. So, one, hopefully, yeah.
0: we can keep making good progress on these things. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us tomorrow for an encore On Call with the Prairie Doc. Prairie host, Dr. Jill Cruz, is joined by Dr. Michael Piedela from Yankton Medical Clinic and Dr. Jeffrey Boyle from Avera Medical Group Neurology Sioux Falls to discuss the diagnosis and management of sleep apnea. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Home would say, Stay healthy out there, people.